Welcome back, one and all, to the weekly episode of the Real Japan Podcast. I am one of the hosts, Kenzo. And I am Feg. And this week, as we do every week, we will have, for your listening pleasure, some news articles from Japan from the past week. And we'll give you our take on them as people living over here. But first... We will see what Ferg has been up to in his daily life in the mountains. Yes, sir. So this past week, I took a trip to Tokyo, which was interesting for me because, you know, I go, <laughs> I go to Tokyo on a, a semi-regular ba- basis in normal times. But because of the coronavirus, this was my first time there for quite a while. And it was... Yeah, when was the it, last time you were there? It was around February, actually. Uh, oh, interesting. Wow. Yes, sir. It's been that so, long. Yes, sir. Certainly, yeah. I mean, more than half a year. Yeah. My, In fact, my IC card, like my PASMO card for the the uh, subway here in Japan. Yeah. It was locked. So I had to go to the oh. station office to get it unlocked. Right, right. You don't yeah. use it just for like buying, you know... No. Crisps while you're uh, out and about over there? No, no. I Well, the thing is, because without wanting to get too detailed for our listeners, so I have PASMO, which is, you know, the Tokyo Metro one. Yeah. And that, I think, is not so useful outside of Tokyo. Well, it's, it's if, cross-compatible with uh, Suica, which is the major one. Oh, is it? So even like in a convenience store, for example, I could use it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Um, I think it was maybe uh, two or three years ago, they mm. had this thing where um, uh, pretty much from that point on, you, they're, they're interchangeable. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Oh, so maybe I will just make an effort to use it just every now and again when I'm in the Yeah, so every time you're store. in town, you know, maybe just use it to buy groceries or... Yeah. Or whatever I'm buying at the convenience store. Yes, you're... Uh... Your mags. Yeah, yeah. My yeah. naughty magazines. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, it was, but that aside, it was just quite interesting to be in Tokyo and to see see what the general kind of atmosphere was, given the coronavirus situation. And it seemed like, you know, to be honest, most people were just kind of more or less going about their daily business. It didn't seem to be that noticeable you know like th- like there wasn't significantly less crowds or anything i don't think mm-hmm, mm-hmm. how did you travel did, mm. did you take the bus or did you take a bullet train i took the bus and then i got the subway once i was in tokyo mm-hmm. so yeah it was all it seemed to be just life kind of as normal i guess people have sort of settled down now or, or kind of gradually returning back to normal after the you know, all this sort of working from home movement and things and all the initial shock of coronavirus around May. Yeah, I was I was talking with some friends mm. um, the other day uh, that, that live in the U.S. And uh, yeah, I was just telling them that it's pretty much life as normal, uh, aside from everyone wears masks all the time. But yeah, aside from that, it's, it's yeah, pretty much... Nothing. Nothing's really changed all that much. Yeah, which is a certainly. good thing. Hmm. Yeah. 
What about really, you? Uh, yeah. Oh, how how was your past week? Um. Yeah, I think I don't think I've gone anywhere this past week. Been, nope. Been all cooped up in here. Yes, sir. Staying yeah. safe, eh? Yeah, staying safe. Yeah. Mm. Not. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I talked about. Uh, we got this loner car. That's kind of funny looking. Oh right, is your car in the shop? Your normal car? Yeah, yeah. One of the cars is in the shop, so we got a loaner, you know, mm. to use in the meantime. And it's um, it's not so popular nowadays. But you remember, like maybe maybe ten years ago, like really boxy cars were kind of like the hip thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's <clears throat> so it's one of those. It's one of those mm. like super boxy cars. And I don't know, it's just, and it's like bright yellow. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so it really stands out. Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of, it's kind of funny to drive. This bright yellow cube on wheels. Yeah. Those. Is it just like a little cagey dosha? No, it's not a K. It's a like mm. a normal. Mm. I don't know what like a normal car. You know, it's not yeah. a, a mini car. Yeah. Uh it's um it's a Toyota BB mm. which was known as the XB in the US. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah, those box cars actually are the worst like in the ski resorts they're always you know 90% of the time if you see a car struggling to get out and like kind of skidding all over the yeah. place it's one of those box cars for some reason. You know, like I don't a K, not, like not a K car like a normal a normal car, normal mm. car. Yeah, that that was why I asked. It's usually the normal cars that are doing that for some for some reason. I don't know. Just I guess because they're heavier or whatever. Even though like you'd expect them to have better better grip, better traction. Yeah, if they're heavier, better traction. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure why that is. I'm not a petrol head myself, but well, I do. Uh, I have noticed that about the box cars. And then this kind of delves into uh, generalizations and stereotype territory, but. I think from from my experience driving over here mm. the the people that drive those boxy cars are typically not very good drivers. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> a dangerous claim. Yes, a, a, a bold statement from Kenzo, mm. but uh mm. Yeah, that, that that's what I've found. Mm. And so that might have something to do with uh, your anecdotal experiences as well maybe yeah that is interesting you know i mean i think hmm. and that that's an interesting thing too that maybe we could do a a bit on where because i think different countries have different stereotypes for like uh you know like in u.s uh, like all bmw drivers are assholes you know like like that kind of thing yeah yeah Mm. and and i'm sure there's sort of stuff like that in the uk as well oh certainly yeah like, you know, people that drive this kind of car, or, you know, behave in this fashion, that kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and Japan definitely has its share of those kind of, like, you know, people that drive the boxy cars are usually mm. pretty bad drivers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, we could certainly talk about it one time, couldn't we? Yeah. Uh, just to... While we're on the topic, I found, and mm. maybe some people are curious, like who are the worst drivers mm. in Japan? Like and the who stereotype. Are they? And 
I, in my opinion, I think it's um, uh, like Toyota Corolla station wagons. <laughs> it's quite specific. Well, it, it, because the, the Corolla station wagon is mm. a car that a lot of businesses use for like their fleets. Yeah. Because, you know, it's relatively compact, but since it's a station wagon, you can fit a lot of stuff in it. And so, you know, it, it has a good balance there. And so a lot of businesses use that. And, you know, when people, if it's a company car, like they don't care. You know, it's not, it's not your car. Yeah. Yeah. And, and since, and, you know, if you take it, if you take it to the extreme, man, with like truckers, like truckers, like, you know, they, they care about their truck because, you know, that's like, it's usually like their truck. You know what I mean? Mm. But with these fleet cars, like they'll just have like 10 of them at the company and you just take one. So it's not like, yeah. they even, it's not like they even take, use the same car all the time. So like it makes them care even less. Yeah, that is so, yeah. interesting. So yeah, they just like they drive like madmen, and they just they just don't care. And, it, and it's funny too because like their company name is usually plastered all over it, but they just they don't care. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm trying to think if there's any kind of particular kind of drivers that I would pick out as being worse than the rest i mean obviously it's a bit unfair maybe to pick on them but i mean the old folk for yeah. whom, like with me living in the countryside there are a lot of them around often driving mm. these mini trucks k trucks as they call them right 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 they can be pretty bad on occasion i actually mentioned it on this podcast a while ago but that was the only time i've ever had like a like a, a kind of close miss had to like really slam on the brakes was uh when an older gentleman in a in a k truck kind of pulled mm, out mm. right in front of me as i was zipping along the road i don't know whether mm. he just wasn't paying attention or whatever yeah yeah kind of like the uber eats people on their bicycles oh yeah yeah, yeah from that i talked about yeah yeah that's a good point but okay yeah that's about it for me yes sir all right well shall we move into our quick kind of news roundup of some of the major stories before we dive into some more in-depth topics yeah sure let's, let's go for it yes sir so one story i was reading about and this was actually featured quite a lot on international news as well i noticed was mm. the crown prince fumihito the younger brother of naruhito who's currently the emperor of japan uh, yep fumihito was formally declared as the first in line to the throne in the Rikoshinore ceremony this past Sunday. And, of course, that's because Naruhito, his brother, doesn't have any male children. So... Right, right, right. Just Princess Aiko, who is... I think she's about 18 years old now. But there was actually quite a lot of debate about the succession to the throne. Kind of like, it was a while ago now, sort of around the 2000s, there was a lot of debate about whether or not they should change the law to allow yeah. her to be mm -hmm, first in line. Mm -hmm. But obviously that has not happened. And in fact, uh, Fumihito has a young child now, a boy. Well, I think he's around 14 or so. Prince uh, Hisahito, who is 
next in line to the throne after Fumihito. So third so, in line. So mm-hmm. the next generation, you know, assuming that there are no more children born, is it's going to go over to the brother's side? For... Exactly. Yeah, yes. okay, okay. Exactly. And we were just discussing a little bit before we started recording. The Maybe they don't have quite as many scandals as the UK royal family, for as for example, but the Japanese royal family is kind of interesting in their own way. And we haven't really talked about them much on this podcast, but they might well be a topic for a future uh, episode. One of the big issues in the news at the moment is Princess Mako, who is uh, Prince Fumihito's daughter. So the oldest mm-hmm. sister of Prince Hisahito. She is sort of supposed to be getting married to this man, right? Kei Komuro. They're yeah. both around 29 years old, I believe. And there's been a lot of scandal about that because apparently Kei Komuro, his family, owes money to... Is it the ex-husband or the ex-fiancé of his mother? I think it's ex-fiancé. I don't think they were ever actually married. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right, yeah. So it's been a kind of big issue, hasn't it? Everyone watching to see what happens with that, whether or not their marriage will go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Because what was it? The so the the uh, the ex fiance. It was a. He claims it was a loan. Of, mm. It was like three or four million yen, right? So thirty or forty thousand uh, U.S. Yeah, but then the 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 mother claims that it was a gift. Yeah, and this money was used apparently for Kay's the the man the. Uh, fiance of Princess Mako, his uh, school fees, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, so he directly, he was pretty much the beneficiary of that arrangement. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just this whole, like, there's lawyers involved and it's just, yeah, a big, a big mess. Yes, sir. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, like you were saying, right? <laughs> I mean, surely they ought to just pay the money to him. To make it go away in this case, yeah, and you know, and maybe you know they are in the right here. Maybe it really was a gift, and he's just saying it was a loan after the fact, right? I mean, mm. that's certainly a possibility. Like we don't know that, yeah. but you know, that being said, I think they should just, yeah, like you said, I mean, they should just make it go away because yeah. because once they pay up, then like everything's everything's good, and yeah. I don't know if you told me, I you know, I if I paid, you know, three million yen, and I never have to work a day in my life ever again, I'd I'd yeah. ask you where I where to sign up, you know. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, it's it is an interesting story, and and maybe if there are future developments on that, we can certainly talk about it eh, on this podcast. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, it just seems to me that any rational person would just would just pay, but I don't know, maybe. Mm. They got some, on principle, they just don't want to pay or something, you know? I don't know. Could well be, eh? Yeah. Oh, well. So, and, okay. Mm. There was another story, one? right? Yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah, about yeah. it for that one. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, this, is, this has been in the news this past week. Uh, Capcom, uh, as many people are probably familiar, they, they make uh, Street Fighter, Resident Evil, all those popular games, uh, they got hit with the ransomware. Oh, no. 
Yeah, they got hit with the, uh, apparently it's a ransomware distributed by the cybercrime group known as Ragnar Locker. Not the dreaded Ragnar Locker. <laughs> and um, they are, this, the, the hacker group is demanding payment of 1.1 billion yen, which is about 10.5 million US, mm. uh, to unlock all the files. And they claim to have downloaded, I think, like a terabyte of data, which which they claim is like contains rather sensitive information. Um, and the deadline for <clears throat> for Capcom to pay up was yesterday. So I, I don't, there hasn't really been anything uh, published mm. since then. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see where that takes us. Yeah, it's hard. They won't pay them, surely. I I don't know. Like I've I've read that, like quite a few companies just just pay. Really. Yeah, I mean it's not a gigantic sum of money for a company, is it? Right. Yeah. I mean they could just write it off, surely. Yeah, especially one of Capcom's size. Mm. Um. Yeah, because that happens a lot with um, what is it? Those the pirate ships in off the mm. coast of Somalia. Yeah. 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 I've I've read that a, a lot of companies just straight up pay them and. Yeah. Because. I mean, I, and, you know, that's kind of a different situation because, like, actual lives are at are at risk. So, you know, the stakes are quite a bit higher. But hmm. I don't know. Yeah, we'll we'll see whether they actually pay, or yeah, maybe they pay but they try to keep it under wraps. Yeah, the famous example of hacking in recent years, right, is the North Korean hacking into Sony Pictures. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, they were going to release the dictator. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they didn't like that too much. That was such a crazy story, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it will be interesting, certainly, to see what Capcom do. Hopefully we mm -hmm. can have an update on that by next week. That would be great. Yeah, yeah, well, uh, yeah, there should be something published by next week. Because, mm -hmm. you know, because the deadline was yesterday. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll we'll see how that develops. Yes, sir. So the uh, in another kind of small item, the PlayStation 5 went on sale today Ooh. as we're recording, the 12th. And all they only sold it by pre-order, right? No in-store sales. So you couldn't just go and line up at a store and, you know, queue up and, and get it that way. You had to pre-order your PlayStation 5, right? Yeah, which is more or less impossible. Mm. Yes, you're we were competing, saying, right, You're competing against all the bots. Yeah, that's you, the problem, you, you, isn't you, you it? Just can't, you just can't win. Yeah. The bots and resellers, eh? Yeah, yeah it's impossible. I've, yeah. I've all but given up. It is a bit of a shame, isn't it? Yeah. Although... Apparently, it has been a huge success to launch, despite it being this unusual kind of quiet launch with no, like, no big queues outside the game stores and no real launch event either, it seems, is my understanding. I don't yeah, follow the gaming yeah. industry very closely, so apologies if I'm mistaken on that. But apparently, they sold between 100 and 200 million units, 
all as i said by like pre-order it comes in two versions as well a normal version where you can you know input a disc and, and play games from discs for around recommended selling price of uh, 50,000 yen roughly about mm. 500 dollars and a norm and a version without a disc so you know you can't you can only download games on that version for around 40,000 yen 400 us dollars i mean i yeah. thought that was kind of reasonable price of games consoles seems to go up every time a new generation is is a launch but that's that's kind of more or less in line with what the playstation 4 was right yeah yeah i think it's more or less the same yeah mm. and what do you think because you know the nintendo switch has been a mega hit for nintendo right do you think the playstation 5 is going to be a huge hit for sony or do you think this might be xbox's turn to shine uh well at least in japan i'm pretty sure sony's gonna take the crown once again mm. but as far as worldwide i don't know kind of remains to be seen there well one, one thing that i have found is a bit interesting in in this this cycle is that just talking to friends overseas they tell me that it's like generally speaking it's relatively easy to get your hands on an xbox like even right now like mm. where it's like it just came out you know but yeah. if you're if you're kind of diligent about it you can usually get your hands on one but ps5 is just yeah like all the all the bots are buying them or like they're just sold out yeah so you know if sony can't get their shit together and like actually you know produce enough to meet demand then people are just gonna be like well i can't get a ps5 so let's get an xbox and it, it might really hurt them in the long run i don't know yeah i mean as you said the playstation does have a much much firmer footing here in japan doesn't it but yeah yeah i mean who knows the problem is if as you say the availability issues do lead people to get more xboxes and then more games developers start focusing on the Xbox, and then mm-hmm. I mean, who knows? And mm-hmm. not it, it'll be a slow process, I'm sure, but we might see more Japanese consumers looking toward the Xbox as an alternative. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, but yeah, like, I, I mean, you know, I for one, uh, I I want a PS5, and I'm bombarded with advertising every because because you know leading up to the launch they were pushing it pretty hard just like on tv and like you know web advertising and it just kind of it makes me bitter because like there's all these ads and they're telling me to buy their shit and i'm like well okay let me buy it but i can't that that classic meme shut up and take my money yeah exactly and yeah, it just it just makes makes a person bitter because yeah. I I can't. And and you know and before it would be like, well, okay. Like worst case, I'll just go wait in a long ass line and you know, eventually I'll get one. But they even released the statement straight up saying that no, we're not selling them in stores at all. Mm. So, internet only. Well, hopefully you can soon be, you know, get your hands on one somehow and be relaxing and enjoying a nice 
cool beverage while you enjoy some of the latest games, eh? Yeah, yeah. But like, like we we were talking about this before, before we started recording. But I'm I'm just kind of over it now. I'm mm. I'm I'm at the point where, like, if I'm out shopping, like I don't know, maybe six months from now, and I can actually just you know buy one without like getting all stressed out about it. You know, if I can just go to the store and pick one up, that that's when I'll probably get one. Yeah. Yeah. Which is unfortunate because I think for just about every major console launch for, you know, the past 10 or 20 years, I've always had one like within, you know, the first month or so. Yeah. Because I've been pretty, you know, pretty hardcore about gaming, but, now it's mm. just like no, no thanks. Yeah. Oh well. But yeah, right. I'll, Mo- I'll get Mo- one eventually. <laughs> yes, sir. And you can give us a full report, hey? Yeah. So, uh, moving on to a quick roundup of the coronavirus numbers, we've mm. seen a little bit of an increase lately. Even there's been talk of a third wave. But to give you the numbers first, so in the past 24 hours leading up to the leading up to 11:30 on the 11th of November, there were 157 new, uh, sorry, 1,547 new cases and 12 deaths. This was the fourth largest number ever reported in Japan. And it included the highest numbers ever reported in seven prefectures. Osaka, Mm. Saitama, Hyogo, Ibaraki, Niigata, Yamanashi, and Iwate. It also included 317 people in Tokyo, which was not the highest ever in Tokyo, but it was the first time the number in Tokyo was was over 300 for around uh, three months. And yeah, worrying kind of enough. that ties into because remember we would always be saying for about the past three months that it would always kind of it would be between 100 and 300, and it would just kind of you know wiggle exactly. around in there. But now it's kind of it's broken through that 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 uh, barrier, I guess. Exactly. The also worryingly enough, there were uh, 197 people in. Hokkaido, where it's been over 100 people for seven days in a row now. We've yeah, had a they're, few... re- they're really having a third wave up there for sure. Yeah, certainly. They have they have a kind of unique alert stage system, and they raise their alert stage to level three of five, given the increased numbers lately. Mm. I mean, it is all quite worrying, especially as we go into the colder season. Kind oh, of and that's the, probably partly why it's picking up because of the the colder. More more people hanging out in close quarters indoors because it's too cold outside. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Um, perhaps the big news, kind of internationally, not just in Japan, was the news that uh, Pfizer has apparently developed this vaccine that is ninety percent effective, right? Yeah. In the stage three clinical trials and Suga the prime minister here said that Japan will negotiate with drug makers in Japan and overseas to ensure that 
Japan can purchase enough uh, vaccines to vaccinate the entire population. Apparently, they're looking to buy around 120 million doses from Pfizer and AstraZeneca, and then another mm. 50 million from Moderna, which I think is a US-based drug maker. I'm not sure, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. anyway, if they if the government kind of did get their hands on that much, uh, that many vaccine dos- doses then it should be enough, as they say, to vaccinate the entire population. Are are the other, um, like like AstraZeneca, uh, like are mm. they like they're working on their own vaccines, right? Which are will maybe not be, you know, it could potentially be not as effective as the Pfizer one, or yeah, that's a good point. My impression was that they will, uh, although there are other vaccine. Um, sort of trials underway. Yeah. Notably, there's this Oxford one, right? Mm, Which right, I think right. is sort of progressing along at a, a reasonably okay pace. But mm. my impression from this was that they would tie up with Pfizer to produce more oh, of so, the vaccine. So they would they would license it from Pfizer and use their yeah. own production lines, so they can so there would be more available. Was my impression. I could be okay, mistaken okay. on that. Hopefully we don't get too many angry emails from listeners. But because I was yeah, just that, thinking it would be a, mm. it would kind of be a shitty situation where, you know, some countries have like, th- like th- well this particular vaccine which is only seventy percent or whatever, but then you know other countries get the Pfizer one which is ninety percent. So I mean, yeah. it would create you know this kind of weird disparity between. Although that's already happening because the richer countries are essentially hoarding or, or they will be, you know, hoarding all the vaccines and then the the not as well off countries will kind of be uh, stuck at the back of the queue. Certainly, yeah. That yeah. does, yeah. In all likelihood, that is how it will go, unfortunately. Yeah, it's probably how it's going to go down, yeah, which, which is unfortunate. And just a tiny little interesting tidbit for you before we move on to our main stories. So Fuji Soba, they're a kind of, um, you know, like a stand-up Soba restaurant, a cheap Soba chain. Yeah, like fast food noodles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they they were found to have been, according to an Asahi article, uh, wrongly instructing their employees not to stamp their time cards this was back in may to m- <laughs> oh boy to make it to make it look as though they weren't working uh-huh. and the, the aim seems to have been to apply for government subsidies for businesses that are taking holidays because of the coronavirus i mean according to the uh, to the company as quoted in the article they denied that they that they wrongly that they applied for any subsidies based on you know incorrect information although they did apply for such subsidies Mm -hmm, mm. but it does seem that they have been up to no good so so the allegation is that they weren't doing it just to cut back on their personnel expenses they were actually doing it for like a more fraudulent purpose yes the allegation is that they yes because they were paying the staff obviously you know the staff wouldn't come into work for free so right, right, they right. they were still paying the staff their wages, but then they were saying, you know, look, we've had staff taking you know two days off a week when mm. 
you know, normally they would be working five days and we've had them working three days. So, you know, please give us some money, some subsidies to help cover their wages that were lost because of the coronavirus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When in fact, secretly under the table, they were they were actually working and keeping those restaurants going. Wow. That's, that's like that's straight up fraud territory. So we'll have to keep an eye on that story. Yes, sir. Yeah. All right, shall we move on to... Um, Mm. Yeah, we can segue into uh, my main article for discussion. Yes, sir. uh, It's COVID-related, so that that works. But there was an article um, this morning in in the paper um, about uh, COVID testing in Japan Mm. and how, how uh, how things are. In that area, and it's fine, right? Free tests for everyone. It's easy oh, to yeah, get a test, great. right? No, <laughs> the short answer oh, is damn. no. Mm. Um, so the the Nikkei, which is like the financial newspaper in Japan, like the Wall Street Journal or Financial Times, uh, they did a, a study on which prefectures published lists of uh, testing sites. Uh, where where you can go get tested for uh, for COVID, and thirty three of the forty seven prefectures, so well over half the country, uh, do not publish lists of testing sites. So it's up to you to basically you just got to call around and ask hospitals or clinics, uh, do you do COVID testing, and I don't. I I think that's that's crazy that there's there's no central resource for, you know, if I want to get tested, and uh, the 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 reasoning that uh, behind that is that if such a list were published, uh, first of all, it would overwhelm the places on the list with potential infected people trying to get tested. Um, and then the second reason is that the places on the list would essentially be viewed as hotspots. So, you know, people would, even after the whole, this whole COVID thing dies down, they, people would associate those places with, you know, like dangerous infected people. And so it would be bad for, bad for business. Um, which I think is silly, but you know that's uh, that's the reasoning. So yeah, I think just you know, kind of going back to the broader topic, like testing in general is kind of like I I don't know how to get tested. No, me neither. I mean, it's shameful, isn't it? Really? Yeah. You know, here we are in the midst of like the biggest global health crisis of the past hundred years and Mm -hmm. you know there's no clear structure of testing as you just outlined it's unclear you know even where people living in about half the prefectures of japan can even go to get tested yeah yeah like i don't know where to get to i live in saitama but i and uh, but apparently uh, to to be fair saitama does publish a list Mm. i guess at least that's what the article says. But 
I don't think they really advertise it too much because of the factors that I just talked about. Uh, yeah. But just, yeah, in general though, like I, I don't know how much a test is going to cost me or I don't know like exactly where to get tested. I don't know what the procedure is. I assume it's the thing where they stick a Q-tip up your nose, right? Mm. That usually seems to be the the way they do it. But yeah, it's just public awareness in general of, yeah, testing is, is really poor, I think. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. How is it in, in Nagano? Do you know? No, no idea where to go yeah. and get tested if I needed to. And I mean, I understand the concern about saving face, but I do not think it's valid in this case. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, you you gotta if you're serious about mitigating the the damage that this thing is causing them, you gotta you gotta put all that aside, you know. But yes, sir. Unfortunately, and, hmm. I mean, as we've discussed on this topic, it does seem that for whatever reason, Japan has done very well, certainly compared to many Western nations in controlling the spread of uh, COVID. Yeah. However, that said, I think the testing policy here has been very, you know, not not very well prepared not very well thought through. There's been constant criticism that they're not doing enough tests. And that does seem to be substantiated. You know, if you look at the numbers tested in Japan compared to other countries, it's yeah. like significantly lower. You know, it will be like the, it will, it will be like 10 times lower, for for example, than other, other mm -hmm. countries mm -hmm. often in the West. And, you know, I think uh, the, the outgoing president, you know, he, one of his favorite talking points was, you know, we, we do more tests, so that's why we have a lot of cases. Yeah. And 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 that talking points, you know, <laughs> you can take from that what you will. But, but I mean, there is, as with a lot of things that he says, like there is a grain of truth to it as well. And I think Japan has kind of been banking on that to an extent where, you know, if you make it harder to test, then, you know, what... Especially with the Olympics coming up, and back when they were still trying to do the Olympics this year, it, it really felt like that they were under testing so they could underreport the number of cases to make things look peachier than they are. It did feel that certainly feel yeah. like that certainly yeah, and I mean we did see that notably with the example of like the Yoronomachi in. Shinjuku, mm, their nightlife yeah. area, the hostess bars, as soon as they started concentrating their testing on a certain area, all of a sudden they found loads and loads of cases of it. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that it may well have been that there was a greater prevalence of COVID-19 among people working in that industry because of the close contact nature of it. But they never kind of tested any other industry in that sort of depth. So we don't really know. Yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no baseline for comparison. Yeah, you're right. Mm. We just know that as soon as they picked that and started focusing their testing on it, they did turn up a lot more cases. It would have gone unreported. Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the, the testing situation over here is kind of shameful. But, yeah, well, not not much you can do about it aside from uh, 
like if you really want to get tested uh, and you know there is no centrally available list you just got to call around and and see who's offering it who's not yes sir certainly and yeah. i mean as we've seen you know the virus is obviously widespread like across japan now mm -hmm. we have mm -hmm. as i said like there are there are you know highest numbers ever like in you know in the west of japan around osaka and hyogo central japan in saitama you know central japan as in you know east japan kind of right yeah, uh, yeah. To the tokyo area and also you know very large numbers in hokkaido as well so it, it you know it, it doesn't although as we keep repeating it, it japan does seem to have done a great job compared to other countries it's certainly not i don't think under control yeah yeah for sure mm. but okay yeah i think that's about it for that one yeah well hopefully if the government could do something about the testing and release maybe some guidelines or something or force the prefectures to take more of a proactive attitude toward letting people know where they can get tasted, yeah, uh, yeah. tested because it is a big and important part of public safety mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. would be good to see yeah let's let's hope yes sir right shall we move on to our second more in-depth story okay and this is the legend of Otsukakagu, which has been kind of popping Legendary. up. Legendary. <laughs> it has been popping up in the news every now and again for the past kind of five years or so. Yeah. And it basically surrounds a dispute um, between members of the founding family of the company. So before we go into the reason why it's in the news today, today or now at the moment i want to give our listeners a quick kind of background to this story so it's a it's a big kind of furniture chain Otsukakagu, and it's it's up market isn't it it's very sort of like high quality furniture yeah yeah generally. it's really yeah up market like upscale um you know you're paying like a thousand dollars for a chair kind of kind of furniture places it's it's not it's not your ikea but exactly way. yeah it was founded in 1969 but it has been you know it's been struggling its business performance has been pretty weak for like the past maybe 10 years or so mm, since yeah. kind of like the late 2000s it started to really go downhill and it seems to have been connected to like for example we had ikea coming to japan around mm -hmm, that time mm -hmm. And we also have had uh, other homegrown sort of more cheaper and mid-range furniture stores, notably Nitori becoming more popular. I like Nitori, yep. actually. I'll, I'll say that now. I think it's a, a decent store. They offer fairly okay kind of stuff for decent prices. It's probably my yeah, go-to. It's, it's basically the Japanese mm. IKEA. I yeah, guess. certainly. Mm. You know, it's not outstanding quality, but you know, it's good mm. enough for most uses. Yes, sir. Yeah. So, uh, around around the time that business performance started to really go downhill, uh, Katsuhisa Otsuka, the uh, the founder of the company, uh, he st stepped down as president and became chairman instead, and he named his daughter Kumiko Otsuka 
the president of the company. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, there's uh, opinions have been mixed about Kumiko's kind of subsequent skill in managing the business for reasons that we will that we'll discuss now. But to be fair yeah. to her, she took over a business. As I said, you know, the business performance was not good. It was going downhill. And mm-hmm. also she kind of struggled a bit as well, I think, because she was in her early 40s when she took over as president. And, you know, it's got to be tough for her as a woman sort of trying to, have, you know, push through her opinions and things, her views on how the business should be run when, you know, it's, it's all like older Japanese men on the board. Yeah, it, yeah. You know, still very, very rare to to have like a a woman, especially one who's relatively young in terms of mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. senior company executives. Anyway, she so she came in as president, and she had like a slightly sort of different vision for the company from her father. She sort of viewed it as moving more into this mid range sort of area, competing more with the like the kind of brands that I mentioned before, like brands like Nitori. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't seem to have worked, though. And to be fair, I can't really say that I don't view Otsuka that that way. I've been in, I have been in the stores in the last few years, and it doesn't seem mid-range at all. It still seems to just be totally way out of reach for, unless you're like, you know, have lots of money to spend on furniture. But, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, you know, she did try to sort of put forward this this policy. Her view of the company is competing more in this mid-range area over the subsequent kind of five years or so. So like between, you know, 2009 and 2014, like 2014, 2015, over that period. Yeah. But basically all hell broke loose in late uh, 2014 when Katsuhisa, the founder who I mentioned earlier, decided basically that he didn't like Kumiko's strategy for the company he wanted to compete more uh, stick to the more high-end routes uh of Otsuka and in particular kind of like sell furniture through consulting to businesses and uh-huh. things oh okay i mean basically just charging businesses through the nose as far as i understand because they're right, maybe not right, as sensitive right. to the price but mm. that was his vision for the company anyway uh to be this more high-end yeah Although, uh, to be fair, I, I can see value in that as well. Because if you're like a big company and like, let's say you just got a new office, right? And it's, uh, you know, the entire 23rd floor or whatever. Like you, yep. you just, and then I, you, you don't know how to set it up, right? I mean, if you're, so if you can just call up these guys and be like, hey, like here's our floor plan. Here's how many employees we got make it work and then and they they make it work then i mean i think there's definitely value there but i'm sure they charge a lot more than they than they otherwise could just because the corporate dollars like you said are uh, less sensitive to to price yeah yeah certainly no i I do agree it's certainly a valid valid business model yeah and you know earnings did keep going down and down during kumiko's time as president so it's not like you can't. We can't say that, you know, her strategy was really successful either. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
But basically, yeah, this, so then a, a, a huge kind of feud broke out between the father and his daughter. And this all became like a big public mess as well. And of course, a huge scandal because people were very interested to see this public fight between the father and his daughter. Yeah. And he, so what he did was he demoted Kumiko from president to um, like a normal director. However, the board of directors actually reinstated her. They made her president again. And then in 2015, so then the following year after he, after this first start, uh, all this first came out, he tried to get uh, Kumiko fired via like a proposal at the uh, shareholders meeting. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, he did hold around 18% of the company. Uh, however, his proposal was voted down and Kumiko was successful and managed to stay on as president of the company and, uh, you know, leader of the board of directors, basically. Yeah. Yeah, obviously, I mean, um, it's very hard for kind of shareholder proposals to get voted in in, in Japan, even when, you know, in this oh, case, yeah. he held, held quite a lot of the company. But yeah. You know, before he kind of launched this bid, or or as he launched it, he held this kind of press conference, <laughs> and you know said that his daughter was a bad child, <laughs> uh, basically, and it was all her fault. And sadly enough, her mother, so uh, Chiyoko, Katsuhisa's wife, and Kumiko's mother, also sort of got involved, put pressure on her daughter, and said she wouldn't have been capable of building a company like Otsuka Kagu and her management team wasn't capable of running the company but as I said Kumiko was eventually she prevailed in that that battle and mm -hmm. Katsuhisa was forced to leave and interestingly enough Katsuhisa went on and uh, founded his own company called uh, another company of course I guess Otsuka Kagu was kind of his his company his own company but he when he left, he made another company called Takumi uh, Otsuka. Takumi is kind of like skilled or artisan, I guess it means. Yeah, like but craftsmanship, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. But basically, they kind of stuck to this high end route. I was having a little poke around on their website when I was reading about it. Yeah, how like are they doing well? Or I mean, I'm not sure. It's difficult to tell. I think it's a private company, so right, can't right. See their earnings, but. I mean, they seem to be doing okay, but they're much smaller, obviously, than Otsuka Kagu. You know, I think they yeah, have about yeah, four yeah. branches or so. And but just as a, the, an example of one of the kind of products they sell, you know, I, I picked at random was this line of furniture called Hurtado, and it's one hundred percent handcrafted in Spain. So it's that kind of thing. It's basically very high end furniture for rich people and for corporate. Uh, clients. Mm -hmm. Anyway, going back to uh, Kumiko, the president of this floundering business, uh, the floundering business, uh, Otsuka Kagu. So the financial issues basically continued. And in around 2018, they sort of said in their half, half year, um, like in their second quarter earnings, it, they were basically facing serious issues and they could become insolvent if it continued. Mm. 
One thing I did wonder about that was I wonder if like the fight between do you think the fight between the father and the daughter sort of affected people's image of the company and might have even made it worse? Any, you know, even more difficult for them to sort of attract customers and things? Do you think I, people might I have been staying think away? So. Or, hmm. um, I, I, I know, just, I don't know, me personally, my, uh, my perception of that company was negatively affected, I think, by this, by that whole battle between... Uh, father and daughter because yeah you know even though that doesn't really affect the it has no bearing on the products really because they're essentially just a reseller like mm. i don't think i don't think they really make themselves too much of the furniture that they sell no not as far as i yeah, know it's mm. basically like a showroom for high-end furniture um but yeah it's just, just kind of weird you know what i mean like yeah to have a public, like such a public fight between, it's like, can't you just like work it out? You know, <laughs> I have to, to put everyone through this. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, granted, not that I would buy anything there anyway. I mean, it's a bit, uh, bit out of my mm. price range. Yeah. But, you know, given these issues anyway, whatever the cause was of it was, whether it was just a continuum of, continuation of the trend or whether, whether it was exacerbated by this public feud mm -hmm. they in an attempt to kind of shore up their finances first they went into an alliance with a few Chinese kind of e-commerce and furniture companies uh, including Easy Home and Highlines one of the companies was, was called I think Highlines is actually based in, in Japan but has okay. strong connections with China and then in December 2019 Yamada Denki came in and basically took over Otsukakago and they made it their subsidiary with 51% mm -hmm. of the shares. I mean, it kind of makes sense for Yamada Denki. It's sort of a, an attempt to diversify for them, sort of, and maybe try and move it more back into this mid-range area and then maybe compete with sort of companies like, or brands like Nitori. Right. And they're, they're, you know, at first it might seem kind of like, well, you know, because Yamada Denki, they, they sell, they're like an electronic store. Yes, and exactly, then, yes. And it's like, well, and then they're buying a furniture company. You know, it's like there, there might be some overlap there, but it's kind of, doesn't at first glance, it kind of seems strange. But then also Yamada Denki, they're, they're into home building. Exactly. Now, so which, uh, you know, which is a thing they started maybe the past five or ten years. Uh so now if you look at it, it's like, okay, you know, you, if this one company sells homes and then you got to buy furniture and electronics to furnish the home. So, I mean, if they, if they do it right, you know, there, there could be some, like, it, it could work. Yes, certainly. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. So it's it's kind of the business strategy there on your Madidenki's part is, you know, you know it makes sense. It's easy. It's kind of easy to see what they're trying to do. Mm -hmm. However, the performance of Otsukakagu as a subsidiary has not been good over the past year. Like, are there are there are there shares still listed, even though they're a subsidiary of? Uh, I'm not 
100% sure, to be honest. I presume they probably are if they, if Yamada okay. Denki only has 51%. 51, yeah, yeah. I would imagine so, but I'm not sure. So, but anyway, um, so given the continuing poor performance, uh, Tsuneo Mishima, who is the president of Yamada Denki, he became the chairman of Otsuka. Mm. Oh, yes. Actually, yes, they are. They are still listed, the shares of okay, Otsuka. Okay. I remember now because when he did that, the shares got a bit of a boost. Oh, the I Otsuka see, Kagu shares, yeah. So, so they are listed. And uh, he became chairman of Otsuka, but it didn't, you know, even that wasn't enough. And now Kumiko is going to be more or less fired, uh, reports say, from Otsuka Kagu. You know, she will be stepping down from her position as president of the company her father founded. And it seems like this is more or less her being fired by Yamada Denki, the Yamada Denki side. Uh, so Mishima. basically the uh, mm. the founding family has at this point will be entirely pushed out of the company. All that will remain is the name. Yes, exactly. And uh, yeah. shareholdings, any shareholdings. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, apparently the founder of Yamada Denki, Noboru Yamada, he gave uh, Kumiko a year after Yamada Denki took over, a year for her to turn the company around. Oh, that's amazing. You have one year to get your shit together. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And after that hasn't happened, she'll be, you know, effectively fired, as I said. Yeah. And Tsuneo Mishima will take over as president of uh, Otsuka Kagu. Hmm. And in maybe a little bit of kind of like poetic justice, I suppose. I'm not sure if that's the right term, but yeah. basically when, when Kumiko and the board got rid of uh, Katsuhisa, in 2015 they didn't pay him any kind of like retirement bonus for really no severance leaving. no severance no wow. because they showed him the door straight up huh yes sir so wow. i mean for listeners that aren't sort of well versed in like japanese kind of corporate law and things the severance for directors is has to be approved at like a shareholder meeting yeah yeah doesn't work like normal severance for employees and they decided not to kind of you know give him any severance to submit that's, any that's proposal. harsh man yes sir well the thing was they said this was because of poor business performance they wouldn't be paying him severance uh -huh. and of course that doesn't really give her a leg to stand on when she's going to be fired for yeah. the same for the same reason really poor business performance so it seems like Yamada Denki has, or the management of Otsuka Kagu has no plans to submit any proposal for, to give Kumiko a severance. Oof. So that's, that's oh. come back to bite her. Yeah, karma's a bitch. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I mean, as I said, I, I, you know, I'm mixed. I don't know whether, you know, the real, what the reasons are and who's to blame for Otsuka Kagu's decline, but... Apparently, there were reports in the article I read that Kumiko was saying things like the you know the people from Yamada didn't have any idea how to sell furniture. Oh yeah, well, which you know there might be some truth to that, but there could be certainly, yeah. And don't don't bite the hand that feeds you, right? No, sir. Yeah. <laughs> what an interesting quote. It said that 
apparently she was interested in kind of like providing consulting services to businesses. Um, you know, presumably business consulting, I'm guessing, not furniture consulting. Oh, I see, I see. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's like, well, look, based upon your track record, I don't think exactly. we, uh, <laughs> I don't think we need your services. Exactly, exactly. And that was pointed out in the article. I mean, it's not clear what Kumiko will do now. I mean, I guess maybe she will enter a nice uh, retirement. She's certainly That's what I would do. I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure she's got enough money to retire. So just, uh, you know, buy a buy an island somewhere. Yes, sir, exactly. Get some then drinks we'll... with the little umbrellas and just chill. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> there was uh, Katsuyuki Otsuka was quoted in this article, and he is the president of Takumi Otsuka, the new company that her yeah. father set up. Oh, so they got a statement out of him. Yeah, they did. Yeah. They did. And uh, they asked him, you know, is there any chance that Kubiko might come on board at Takumi Otsuka? Yeah. And he said, no. no. <laughs> Straight <laughs> Not up. Happen. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. He said, now, th those must be yeah. some awkward family <laughs> get togethers. Yeah. Well, I think she does apparently still have like ties with her father. Uh, with her family, sorry. She lives mm. in a condominium that is under her mother's name. Okay, okay. So they're not totally so, estranged. Yeah, but I think they're kind of estranged in business dealings, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, I think right, in business right. terms now, they probably don't have anything to do with each other. But mm -hmm. I think they, st they still talk on, on family terms. Yeah. So, yeah, do you think it's going to be awkward at those kind of family dinners when you know do you think katsuhisa the the father will be sitting there with this big grin on his face sort of saying so i heard i heard <laughs> there were some personnel fired. changes that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't know that's that's it's just so strange yeah yeah but it's, uh I, I yeah i do think it's funny how he just straight up said Nope, she won't be working here. <laughs> yeah. She already screwed up my other company. She's not going to screw up this one. Uh, yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, so. okay. I guess we'll... Uh, hmm. Going on a little bit over an hour, so... Wrap it yeah. up here. Yep, that has been the saga of Otsuka Kagu for our, our listeners. Yep. A they, bit of a uh, shame. Because yeah, it's a shame. I mean, the brand is probably just going to fade away now. I guess it will be kind of um, become more and more just part of your Madadenki, I would guess. Yeah, yeah, it'll become almost maybe like a house brand for an electronics mm. shop, which, uh, yeah, which is, you know, it's sad because uh, it's a, you know, a company with a pretty rich history. And I think for, you know, a lot of consumers, like that name is still synonymous with like high-end furniture regardless of whether you can buy it or not but i mean the mm. brand recognition is there but i mean yeah i guess it wasn't enough to just save it yeah certainly yeah so okay well um yeah, i think that about wraps it up for this week so uh you can follow us on our socials we are on twitter and instagram our username is real japan guys or you can email us at mail at thereal.jp and check out our website at thereal.jp. 
And as always, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. So with all that being said, we will see everyone again next week. Goodbye, listeners. Bye-bye.